Why don't we stand to our feet? We're in a new series today through 2 Corinthians. How many of you ready? Wow. I'm going to ask that one more time. I'm gonna, I think we need some training again. We need some training again today. With my Nigerians. All right. Now, that, that was the training. Okay. Every time I need some help, I'm going to call them my Nigerian brethren and sister. All right. One more again, Nigerians. One more time. All right. There you go. Okay. Now, we're starting 2 Corinthians today. All right. There we go. There we go. Y'all doing good discipling people. But there's so many of y'all, I don't even know where the yelling coming from. Amen. 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 Let's... Uh, Let's uh, go ahead, and we're going to go from verses 1 through 11 today. Let's go ahead and read together. Let's go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Keep going. <clears throat> yes. Amen. 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 We start a new series today called <clears throat> Keep It 100. Not 100. A hundred. Keep it 100. Now, since y'all ain't finna, look at your neighbor's side and say, neighbor, I got a quick question for you. In your walk with Jesus Christ, are you keeping it 100? They're not feeling you got... You have to look on the other side. You have to, you have to look on the other side. They're not feeling you. Say, say, neighbor. neighbor. I, asked the other I asked the other person. But they ain't feeling me. Feeling so I'm going to ask you the question. In your relationship with, relationship with Christ, are you, are you keeping, it keeping it 100? 100. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's go before the great God today. Let's go before the great God, Father. We thank you that you always keep it 100 with us. Uh, that's what the word of God is about. You are straight up with us. And the cross is that reality of you keeping it 
redemptively, 100, and helping us to look more like your son. You showed us how messed up we are, uh, yet you don't leave us in our mess, but you provide for our mess to be eradicated through Christ's death. And so, God, as, however, we, we start our faith not just by that, but our faith is continued by that. And so, God, we're diving into this series because it's necessary that our closed lives be opened up before our God. It's time. It's time for you to shatter us. It's time for you to shatter expectations, shatter strongholds, um, shatter everything, even dreams that don't include you, shatter them. Mighty one, and help us to have a better picture of you by us having a killer picture of ourselves. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, Real quick, I forgot to do this. Thank everybody that gave my wife and I meals while we had the baby. Y'all were, y'all were killing it. It's some cooking folk in the church. Thank you for the meals. It's been a blessing. Um, my parents' generation were just a different generation of how they raised children. Um, you know, uh, they were, there was a, uh, there was a distinction uh, between a parent and a child. You know what I mean? One no... They, they, they didn't care what you felt, and when, it wasn't necessary for them to be buddies with you. Their goal was to raise you. And if you hated them in the process, they were okay with that. And just as long as you became what God wanted you to become. Uh, so the beatings were epic. I, I never got punished. I don't even remember. Like, you're not doing something for a while. I just knew that there was some lockdown ministry on what I was able to do for a season until the temperature of the house changed and I knew it was everything was okay. But my beatings were epic. I mean, beatings were so epic and it, it was nobody to call in those days. <laughs> my parents was beating me. <laughs> it's like, well, you, um, what did you do? Me may beat you too. Um, you know, uh, it was just, it's just a different day and age. Um, my oldest sibling is about 70 years old. So all of us have had this epic experience of being under the leadership of these folks. And however, there, there were some deficiencies to the parenting as great as we'd like to exalt the glory days. Um, some of those things were, it was a closeness about what you learned about your family. I'm 42, I'm just learning stuff about my family. I ain't never, no. Because in, in that generation, they didn't talk to each other. They didn't deal with issues. Um, um, you would never know your, your dad have cancer everywhere in his body. You wouldn't know. you find out at the funeral. I mean, just that type, type of warped sort of, am I, am I talking to anybody in here? Just this sort of warped, and we viewed them as strong because they wouldn't tell nobody nothing. You know, um, wouldn't talk to you, wasn't emotional. There's a lot of emotional inavailability there that sort of created relational distance between parents and children because there was such a gap between parents and children um, that, that, that was a respectability was maintained, but an intimacy was uh, a debilitating uh, in those relationships. And c- because there can be no deep relationship without intimacy. Um, there can be no deep relationship without you sharing brokenness. There, there can be no uh, deep depth to any relationship if people think you're okay all the time. 
Uh, am I talking to anybody today? Um, you, 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 I, I, I can't be around somebody where they lying about how they doing all the time. I, I can't be around somebody that don't never go through nothing. I, I can't be around somebody that can't just open up their mouth and say, I'm having a bad day. Um, um, I, I can't. I, I mean, because it's a wrestle for me um, to, to, to know that you're wrestling in humanity. You got to recognize that humanity is a wrestle. And that's a good reality. If you're not wrestling, you're in trouble. <laughs> and so we will. So, 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 so as we as we look at this series of keeping it. 100, uh, this is what this letter is about. It's about teaching believers to keep it 100 in every single area of their life. Many of us aren't experiencing the freedom and the enjoyment because we don't engage our brokenness. Many of us aren't experiencing freedom because we try to medicate ourselves into believing that our brokenness doesn't exist. But Paul being an apostle... of the Lord writes one of the most, to me, heart-wrenching letters in the Bible. It's heart-wrenching because in other letters like Romans, you can hear his theology and you see his theological astuteness. You see his ivory tower. You see the might of the pen, if you will. But when you go to 2 Corinthians, don't come to 2 Corinthians if you want to merely see the mind of Paul. See, you go to Romans to see his mind, but you go to 2 Corinthians to see his heart. And, 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 and in here, you're going to hear a shepherd be honest. You're going to hear a shepherd that's being honest for the sake of the sheep opening up their hearts to be honest with their God. You're going to hear about the fact that Paul needed counseling. Paul went through counseling. We're going to see that in this letter. You're going to see Paul had a bunch of trials that he went through. You're going to see sometimes that he felt like dying. So y'all, ain't, y'all ain't going to amen this part. The first service did the same thing. <clears throat> but, 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 but the issue is <clears throat> he doesn't leave you in those places. He continues to want to shepherd you through the fact that being honest with where you are helps God to help you. <clears throat> if, if you can't be honest with what you need, you can't get what you need. And so if you want to be strong by your little self, keep going. Uh, but I want to talk to some weak people that know that if it had not been for the goodness of God, where would I be? I want to talk to some people that are saying, a Pastor, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I want to really deal with the realness of my life. I want to deal with the closets. I want to deal with the mess. I want to deal with my past. I want to deal with my pain. I want to deal with my disappointments. I want to deal with my medication. I want to deal with my... I want to deal deal with my family. I want to deal with my husband. I want to deal with my children. I want to deal with the the first person. I want to deal with everything because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so, but, 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 but you shall know the truth and the truth ain't just the information that's in the Bible. It's you telling the truth about what's going on with you so that the truth can set you free. And so we come to a passage where he's starting to keep it in 100. I got one point, one point only uh, today. And it's a tough point, but it's tight, but it's right. Um, got one point. He said, uh, my, my one point on this passage is God does allow on you more than you can bear. That's, that's, that's all I got to say today. God does allow on you 
more. Sometimes way more. And even more than that than you can bear. We see Paul being straight up in this passage. Um, I'm getting therapy right now, so excuse me if I shout or cry or something, because this is therapeutic. This whole series is going to be therapeutic for me. I'm just inviting y'all in on a preaching session between me and my king. So here we go. Verse, 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 verse three, um, we saw his salutation and Paul introducing himself, him and Timothy are writing to them. Look at what he says. Bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like this. Blessed here is not a verb. He's not asking you to bless him. It's an adjective. <laughs> now, if you understand the adjective, you'll respond with the verb. Okay. In other words, when it says blessed here, it's talking about God inherently being self-sufficient. In other words, God don't need anybody. So God looks to himself for what he needs. But he doesn't need it because he's always supplying it to himself. So he never knows how to do without because he has everything. So, so, so when it says blessed, it means one who is inherently filled with everything that he needs for himself. Now, 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 now he's saying blessed. He's describing God as being in a constant state of being sufficient. Can you imagine that? Never needing because you are. That's God. That's why you're not because you feel the need for need, but he never feels the need for need. That's what makes him God and you're not. Uh, 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 so if you never ever need anything, you, don't, you, 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 you recognize that you're not a God. Somebody going to get that in a second. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He set it up relationally. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, which connects us to him being blessed. I love that. So, so, so therefore, because he's blessed inherently, um, it, you can't be around him and not experience the blessed one. It's impossible to be in God's vicinity for real, for real, and experience what he's releasing unless you're open to recognizing that he's inherently self-sufficient. God doesn't need anybody. Grandmama used to say he's God all by himself, and he don't need nobody else. She could have wrote a doctrine manual on that one because she basically talked about what the reformers talked about, the self-sufficiency of the almighty God, but she said it in a way that you could understand it. Um, um, so, so he's blessed. So blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to he, he calls him two things. He's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So you, you missed the shouting moment right there. That, that, that's, that's, that's helpful and exciting information right there. He's, he's, he's the father of mercies. When it calls him the father of mercies, <coughs> it's talking about his relational activity with us as a father. Some of y'all can't relate to him being father because you have daddy issues. But don't apply your daddy issues to God the father. Because God the father is the only one that's not a deadbeat dad. He doesn't miss a payment. Matter of fact, he doesn't have to make a payment because he supplies all our needs. So he don't have to get with nobody to set up a way to give you what you need. He just releases it on his own as the father of mercy. So he fathers you, he shepherds you, um, he's relationally related to you, but I like the fact that he put it in plural, mercies. Now only a few of y'all are gonna understand why it's not mercy, but it's mercies. Um, the reason why it's not just mercy, but he's the father of mercies, because we who are messed up, who know we're messed up, know that we can't just have one dose of it. <laughs> 
<clears throat> see, see, if you really know you messed up and know how broken you are, you know you need like a like like you. you let my grandmama. Let me see if I can make plain. My grandmama. I, one time she showed me this counter. It had to have 50 medicines on it. I said, Grandmama, what's that for? He said, baby, this is my heart medicine. This is my high blood pressure medicine. This is my shoulder medicine. This is my foot doctor. And I said, why do you have all, that, the, all of these medicines? Because each medicine is necessary for me to take in order for me to deal with what I'm going through so that I can feel better. Well, if I can just tell you right now, mercy is a multivitamin pill of God giving you everything you need. God has a mercy for your hurt. God has a mercy for your frustration. God has a mercy for your loss. God has a mercy for your grief. God has a mercy for your depression. God has a mercy for every single thing in your life. And I'm so glad and I'm so excited that I, I got a God that has enough for me. Because he's enough for he, he can be enough for me. And so the progressive walk of your life is realizing that God is constantly not only giving you what you deserve, but not giving you what you deserve. <laughs> mercy. Sometimes mercy is God not giving you something. That's right. See, most of us think it's mercy. God, you've been good to me. Sometimes God is good to you by holding stuff you want from you. I, I, I'll come back to that later. I'm getting too far into the letter. But sometimes God got hosts us back. But then he's the God of all comfort. The word comfort means, I like that it says all comfort, but comfort means to come alongside of somebody and hold them up. When they're going through, it assumes you're going through something. And so he's the God. The Bible even calls a form of this word, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. One who comes alongside and gives help in the midst of brokenness and in the midst of of struggle, and so we see that our God is the God of every mercy, of all mercy, and He's the God of all comfort. My my nerd, my inner nerd is going to come out real quick right now um, because this word uh, here for comfort reminds me of a word or idea in the Star Wars world. I like Star Wars, and I'm a geek, and I don't care what you say about it. Um, but comfort means to give somebody resilience in the midst of sapping energy. So, 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 so what happens is in the battle of the Jedi against the Sith, sometimes they have a bunch of troopers with them. And if they're getting beat down and their resilience and emotional strength is going down because the battle is raging against them, the Jedi have a, a force capability that they don't tell you about. It's called battle meditation. Battle meditation is them fighting with their troopers, but they can use the force to boost the morale of a fleet, to turn the tables of a fight against the enemy, even in the midst of lost. Somebody should have get shouted right there because God's comfort is battle meditation for you on this earth. When you're going through and when you're in brokenness and when you're in a battle, God can send strength through his comfort in the midst of all that you're going through. That's why I like the way David said it. David said, God, I thank you because you delivered me in my distress. Yes. Yeah, I like that in Psalm 4.1. He, he said, deliver me in my distress. Deliver me in the, how in the world can you deliver me in it? That means he didn't take you out of it. <laughs> what God does sometimes in the midst of the stress is relieve the stress of being in the trial without taking you out of the trial because he's not completing, he's not finished with you yet. <laughs> I, I, that, that's why it says right here, he says, the God of all mercy who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be to comfort those, those who are in affliction. <laughs> I remember one time when I was, <clears throat> I was still inclined in like 315 
And um, I, 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 was, I was under the press, and before, but, but this is before that when I was trying to build, I was trying to build up to 350 on the, on the bench. And so I, I'm under like 275. This is like 15 years ago. Don't get no ideas. This is 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, I have no dreams of that right now. Um, but I, I'm under the bench and, and, and I got 275 on and, and I'm lifting and, and I'm, I have, you don't understand, my arms became like spaghetti. And every muscle just said, E, it's over, fam. Just, just stop it. But the, there was somebody standing over me looking at me as I was holding it. And he, he, said, he said, E, I think you got one more in you. I said, I don't have one more. He said, he said you got one more. And what he did is he didn't fully take the weight off me. But what he did was he tapped it to encourage me that I had a little bit more push. In other words, he wanted me to extend my muscles just a little bit more, and all of a sudden, I got a little bit of strength from somewhere that I didn't know I had because someone was standing over top of me, encouraging me that you had a little more push in you. All I'm trying to let you know is the God of all comforts comforts you in your distress. I like the fact that he comforts you in it, not from without. That means that when you go through something, he's in there with you. He's there with you in your distress. That means God the Father, God the God, he's chilling in the distress with you. So no matter what you're going through, you're never alone in your distress. That's why he's called the God of all comfort. That means he comprehensively knows how to give you resilience in the midst of your brokenness. But look at what the text says, though. The text says that God does this so that you can comfort others. Wow. Some of y'all didn't know your pain was a ministry. You didn't know your pain was a ministry. God trains believers in their suffering how to comfort others by the comfort that he gave them. Uh, did you get, did you get that? That, that, that? God is brilliant. <laughs> He's with you, but you had a point in your trial where you didn't think God was there where God comforted you. There's going to come somebody. Now, now what's interesting it says in any affliction. So that means you don't have to go through the same thing somebody else went through to comfort them because affliction is affliction. In other words, in other words, the affliction has to do with the emotional impact. Affliction means pressure. That, that's, that's literally what it means. It, it, we'll see later in 2 Corinthians 4 that it points to being surrounded by crowds or the Eric Mason lexical translation. It means to get jumped by everything in your life at the same time. And so, and so at that point in time, God is training you. How in the world are you going through and God is strengthening you, not just for you. You, 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 you thought you just wanted relief for yourself, but the goodness of God, who's the God of all comfort, has enough comfort for you that can overflow to somebody else. I, re I remember my wife, um, my wife, I remember, um, um, you know, my, my wife, she's my hero in this because she, she is interesting to me. Because when you look at her, you don't know she's sick today. She's dealing with ulcerative colitis, which, which, which means throughout her body in certain places, there are open sores within the inside of her body. And she'll walk in and you won't know anything's going on. And I remember back um, when my wife um, started going to support group. And so she was going to support. My wife said, babe, and this encouraged me. She said, babe, I went through all of this and... I want to go to support group because I need to be encouraged. Right. But I also think 
that somebody else can hear what God did for me. I said, talk to me, babe. She said, well, babe, when I look back over our marriage, <clears throat> she'll say, um, when we had Manny, Manny went to ICU, I couldn't walk. I needed a liver transplant. Got a liver transplant in my 20s. Go from a liver transplant to having cancer twice, then the third time when we were starting a ministry. And then all of a sudden, um, I get rejection and infection, and I've been to the emergency room 200 times in our marriage. I've spent six months of our marriage hospitalized. So when, I, when she goes into the support group and she starts telling her story now, and you see Manny, and you see Nehemiah, and you see Ephraim, and you see Amalia, then you look up at her, you're like, you should be a little more bitter than you are. You should be more angry than you are. Uh, um, and, and, and what happens in support groups sometimes, I've gone with people who are complaining hear her story and stop complaining. They immediately say, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. What can I say? What can you say to a person that's been to hell and back and God still has them here? See, let me just tell you something. When God takes you somewhere and brings you back from it, it ain't even for you to brag about that you made it. It ain't about you bragging that you survived. It's about you bragging about the God who held on to you because if truth be told, you didn't hold on to him. You didn't hold on to him. Don't act like, I, you know, I just held to God's unchanging hand. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. There were some days where you wanted to cuss everybody out. There were some days where you wanted to shoot somebody. There were some days where you wanted to stab somebody. There were some days where you wanted to drive your car off a cliff. There were some days where, the, where a bridge looked mighty attractive for you to jump off of. If you think about what God really brought you from, if you can be honest. If you can be honest about where he really brought you, the, the testimony is in him holding on to you, not you holding on to him. That's a misnomer. You're not that fly. You're not that strong. The testimony of our lives is the strength of Christ. That's the testimony. So that's why he says here, he says, he says in our affliction, we can encourage somebody else and tell God about the goodness, tell them about the goodness of what God has done. He says, with which we were comforted. He says, for we share <coughs> abundantly, we share abundantly, I like this, in Christ's suffering. So Christ, so, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. In other words, <laughs> I love this, that God has a comfort level that meets your pain level. Ah. I remember when my wife was, um, this, my wife had a second C-section in J June, July. And I can remember <clears throat> when we were in surgery. Won't go over all of that, but you know, I love surgery. I love surgery. I love it. Um, the guy, she, my wife looked at me while she was having the baby. And they had cut her open. I didn't tell her either. I was looking at everything. They told me not to take pictures. And um, they said, you can't do that, sir. Now, they had a ghetto nurse up in there. She said, you cannot do that. That's what she said. Um, that's what she said. And so um, it was funny in the mug. I'm like, where'd you go to school? Like, really? Um, anyway, I'm sorry. Um, 
So she was in pain. Anyway, she's in pain. So they put the anesthesia in her, and she started feeling better. And then she said, mm, again. And then I said, bro, bro, you got to put some more in her, right? So he, he gets the head dude, and he twists it on, pushes some more in. Then we get back to the room, and they gave her this line with a red button. And they said, whenever you feel pain, Miss Mason, just press the button. And just, just all you got to do is press the button. And she said, ouch. Ah, thank you, Lord. Woo, bless the Lord on oh, my soul. All this within me, bless his holy name. You know what I'm saying? But then when she went home, she was a little more healed, but she still had some pain. They said, all you need is some Tylenol now. Now, I didn't understand that because I saw staples and everything. But she just needed Tylenol beyond me. And in other words, every level of her pain, they had medication for every level. Every level of your pain, every level of your brokenness, God has an anesthetic for it. He has something that can give you comfort, but you got to push the red button. You got to push the blood of Christ. You got to push in on every so that God can give you the, the strength that you need in the midst of your brokenness. And so I like that, God, that Christ can comfort us based on that. Life. He said, if we are afflicted, he said, it's for your comfort and salvation. He said, it's an example. He said, and if you are comforted, it is for your comfort. And he said, which you experience, which you patiently endure, talking about resilience. He said, endure the same sufferings that we do. It's interesting that he's talking so much about suffering. We don't hear this much today. We hear about it's your season and that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Your breakthrough is coming. And I don't mind telling you that every now and then. But the overshadowing reality is pain. Now, some of y'all say, I ain't never experienced, you know, I don't, I don't have much to tell about pain. Well, keep on living. Keep on living. One day, something's going to happen, and you're going to be hurting like a mug, and you're going to need some comfort in Jesus' mighty name. Because you're in three phases of life. You're either going in a trial, you're in a trial, or you're coming out. Now, if you haven't been in one yet, it's coming. Some of y'all were just like, but another one's coming. Because your life is filled with the cycle of brokenness to help you to know God more deeply. If you did not know affliction, you would not know the Lord. So look at what he says. He says, he says, I hope for you is unshaken. I like that. Verse 7. He said, we know that <coughs> as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. He is confident in God so much that he's confident that God will comfort them in the midst of their brokenness. Look at verse 8. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. He's just getting real with them. He says, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised, we, do, we, do, we, uh, we despaired of life itself. Now, what type of preacher tell people that I had more on me than I can bear? Now, I know you heard it say God doesn't put on you more than you can bear. But if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it's about temptations that you put yourself in. It says there is no temptation that has overcome man. Because if you read the context, it's you acting a fool out in the world somewhere and God loving you enough to not let you get as high as you could have got. 
So he won't allow on you more temptation that will take you fully out there. So you can't use, God won't put on me more. Know why we like that? Because we like to be, be viewed as strong. But, we, we, but in order to be strong, you have to be viewed as weak. Now I'm explaining that. I'm going to show you that in a second. But, 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 but it's interesting. That he said we were, we, were burdened be, we were so burdened that we despaired of life. In other words, he said we wanted to die. Oh, he didn't say, oh, I, I, right now in the name of Jesus, I tell you, despair, go away. I, 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 I speak to that right now, and he didn't say none of that. He was real. He said, this is the guy that healed people. This is the guy that raised the dead. This is the dude that cast out demons that got to a point where his life was so painful that he wanted to die. And it's interesting to me that we as believers can't admit I wanted to die. Yes, yes, yes. I was suicidal. I'm sick of what's going on in my life. You got to begin to get to the point, family of God, to recognize that God is utilizing your suffering to bring you to the end of you. That's what he's up to. But listen to the reason why, what Paul does for them. He says, indeed, we felt that we received the sentence of death. He said, we felt like it was over. He says, but listen to it. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So God allows on you more than you can bear so that you can know you need him. See, the reason, see, see, some of us don't know that we need, we, no, 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 no. Theologically, we'll say, I need the Lord. But practically, we function like we don't need the Lord. In, 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 other, in, other, in, other, in other words, you, in other words, so what happens is no matter how mature you get, God has to remind you that you need him. So what he'll do is he will allow something bad to happen to you. Why? Because when everything's okay, when money's in the bank, you got a nice little relationship. You can go on a date without breaking the bank. You can go shopping and buy a bunch of stuff. Your bills is played. It's warm in the house during the winter. It's chilly in the house during the summertime. Everything's all right for you. And God says, see, they ain't praying no more. See, they ain't praying. He said, look at them ain't praying. He said, yeah, they not praying. Um, what we going to do, Pops? He said, you know what we going to have to do. Go ahead and take some of that hedge off on the edge of where I'm protecting them right there. And let's let some stuff happen to them. Then all of a sudden, a little bit of hell come in your house. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I call a hanger. I need you today, God. Help me. Wait, hold on. But the problem is <coughs> you needed him just as much on the day where you had everything as on the day where hell broke loose. So God has to remind you that you need him. In other words, when you get too self-sufficient, when you get too self-reliant, when you're on your boss dude and boss chick ministry and you a boss and you running things and you, you killing it and all of that, you running, you got all kinds of things on the table, you got deals on the table. See, God gonna, see what God going to do is he going to make some deals not come through. He going to make it get tight. He going to let you get sick. He going to let some stuff happen to you so you can cry. He, listen, he's more 
more impressed with you being close to him with nothing than to have everything and not have him. God, 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 God does put on you more than you can bear so that you can know that you can't bear it. My son, Manny, um, didn't used to have fear of anything. I mean, didn't fear heights. I mean, he would jump off a building. I have to have him just near me because he's just one of them kids. He's just one of them doing yabba dabba do and. Uh, his favorite was Tarzan. Uh, he put a, he'd take all his clothes off, have his drawers on, put, a, put, put his undershirt up, make hair, and go around like this. Uh, and jump, he ready to jump off the thing. So one time, he wasn't fearing water. We kept getting him. I said, Manny, you can't. He's like two, three. I said, boy, you can't just dive in the pool. You can't swim. <clears throat> so he's like, dun, 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 dun. jump in the water. I'm like, okay. I said, I'm going to get in the water this time, right? I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to get in the water. I'm going to let him jump in the water. I got in the water, and I strategically placed myself. Then he jumped in the water, went under. I said, one, two, three, four, five. Then I went and got him, pulled him out of the water. He like this. He like All his McDonald's shot across the pool. People started getting up out the pool and carrying on. <coughs> so I looked at him. I said, son, what lesson did you learn today? Can you swim? No. No. I said, one day you're going to learn how to swim, but you can't just dive in there. Okay? Y- yes, sir. And guess what he learned that day? That he needed me. Sometimes God will let you begin to drown. Let you take in some water, then grab you like a cat grabs its kittens and holds you up and look you in the face. What lesson did you learn today and know what you need to say? God, I need you. That's your life's subject purpose statement. It's God... It's pushing your life towards you consistently knowing your need for him. Everything you go through is for you to be reminded of that reality. Never forget it, but you are. So he's gonna, he has to assign consistent trials to remind you that you need him. All the moral of this story today is, what do I do about this? Just get ready for another challenge to you forgetting that you need the Lord. Learn to need the Lord when you don't think you need the Lord. Learn to thank him when everything's full. Learn to lift him up when nothing's going wrong. Learn to know that everything that you have in the good season is because of him, not because of your hard work. Because there are a lot of people working hard and still ain't getting nothing in return. So the harvest that you get could not come if it had not been for him. And so the glory of this whole ordeal is that Jesus Christ came and he got on the cross and experienced the feeling of abandonment, experienced the brokenness of the loss of his life and the pain so that as we follow in his example, 
We wouldn't say Elohi, Elohi, Lama Sabasana. My God, my God, why did I? In other words, he experienced the feeling of forsakenness so that you and I wouldn't ever feel that way. And so, and God raised him up on the third day so that he can know that there's, so we can know there's hope. Hope what? That trouble don't last always. But until the reality where trouble doesn't last always, you need to learn that he's a mind fixer. You need to learn that he's a heart regulator. You need to know that he's a healer. You need to know that he's a bridge over troubled water. You need to know all of those things, but you don't learn those in the daylight. You learn those things in the midnight. Father, we thank you and we honor you and we bless you today that you keep it 100 with us. Yeah. And you keep it 100 by challenging us to be, remem- to be reminded that you allow on us more than we can bear so then we could need you. Over and over and over again, we, we know that we need you, but sometimes we forget that we need you. And so, mighty one, will you do your work? Will you work your works in our life to help us to consistently respond quickly to knowing that we need you? Maybe you're here today and you...